I'm still recovering from the, the coaster world. I, I just love those songs. They, they get me going. And uh, it's not just the kids that need to hear about the, the fear of things. Uh, I'm a, a bit fearful now, so bear with me. And uh, we had to change things when Keith uh, wasn't coming and um, we've put this message together. So I hope you, you're blessed by hearing this this morning. Um, every time I get up to, to talk at church, there's no one here. And uh, thankfully, there's a reason for that. It's uh, not people running out the doors, but because of lockdown. And, um, you know, it, it's not always easy. And uh, we have had a roller coaster this week. But I just want to focus on uh, us and uh, God's word this morning. And I pray that you'll get a lot out of it. So uh, I could almost reflect on what we did last week. We're going to see people come and see Jesus um, so let's pray and let's get into our message. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that we can open into John chapter 4 and hear, see a Samaritan woman meet your son Jesus and be changed. We just pray for everyone watching this morning that their hearts will be open to your word and that they will taste this living water. And uh, we just commit this time into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to be looking at John chapter 4. And I'm going to follow up from Wes who spoke on John chapter 3 last week. And it was great seeing Nicodemus meet Jesus. And, the, and he started to begin to be transformed by Jesus. And Jesus met Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, a very educated man, a very dedicated and righteous Jew. He met him where he was at. And Wes rightly said at times that Jesus needed to be very direct and help him understand to go from the physical into the spiritual when it came to rebirth. And that Nicodemus needed to be reborn spiritually. And we learned from Wes last week that faith in Jesus equals life and saved from God's wrath, while rejecting Jesus leads to no life but God's wrath remaining on them. We'll come to John chapter 4 today, and I just want to introduce with a question. Have you ever met someone who just knows you? Knows you so well, you wonder if they know you better than you even know yourself. And I'm not talking about Google here or your phone. Actually, my phone, even when I came here this morning, told me as I got into the car and it connected to Bluetooth, it said 10 minutes to Bentley Court. It knows where I go on a Sunday. And it doesn't even ask, but it knows how long it takes me to get to work. Now, I work in two different locations in opposite directions. And my phone, without fail, knows where I go on which day. Well, that's not really knowing. It's knowing a routine. But my wife knows me. Yes, I think I know myself, but I'm yet to experience her getting things wrong. Yes, Hannah knows me, my tones, my actions, things that stress me out, how I respond to different things that stress me out, what makes me happy, etc., etc. Well, we know that mums know their kids very well. But today, we're going to see Jesus knowing a woman and all her deep dark secrets and not use it against her but although her life was revealed 
she went unashamedly and shared Jesus because she'd been transformed by him. We'll see that Jesus offers living water of eternal life, that he is the Messiah and the Saviour of the world, transforming lives for everyone who believes in him. Well, verses 1 and 2, Jesus had gone down to Judea and now was returning to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Now already, I have to stop and give some background here about the Jews and the Samaritans, otherwise it won't make sense. So the question is, is there a team, to put it in today's context, is there a team that you just, you just can't support? Maybe it's Port Adelaide. Maybe Collingwood. Maybe you can't stand the people of Sydney for whatever reason. Actually, if you had to go to Queensland today, you couldn't even go through Sydney. You'd have to detour around. Well, the Jews despised the Samaritans. They would refuse to go through their region and prefer to take the longer route around rather than go through Samaria. Why, you ask? Well, it dates back to hundreds of years prior when the Assyrians were invading Israel and they scattered the Jews back in 2 Kings chapter 17 and they settled in that region. They took over the land and they didn't fully worship the Lord. They had mixed worship. They would worship the Lord a little bit, but they would bring in their false gods and idols. And some even would start burning their own children. Despite many warnings to worship only the Lord, they refused to listen. The Samaritans were descendants of some of the remaining Jews and the invading Assyrians who intermarried. So hundreds of years later, this disdain by the Jews for the Samaritans was as real as ever. And I was thinking about that when I spoke to a guy this week. And he, his dad's a, a Palestinian and he married uh, another nationality and he's, he's living over here. And we're chat, chatting, chatting about the challenges of today. And then it got on to the Israeli... Palestinian situation and even though he's not there and doesn't live there and and he's not fully um, Palestinian but his dad is as soon as it turned to that conversation the anger and the hatred for Jew for the Jewish nation really you could see it all over his face he changed and you could see the hatred there and it was so the Jews with the Samaritans, they despise one another. Another place where we read about the Samaritans in the Bible is Luke chapter 10, with the famous phrase, the good Samaritan, that even non-Christians would, would even use as part of their, uh, your, you'll hear it on the media and in the news sometimes. In the context of loving your neighbour, when a man was in need, a Jewish man, he didn't even receive any assistance from his fellow Jews. It was the Samaritan who was the unlikely hero to help this man. It went against everything the Jews stood for. But Jesus is telling them to love their neighbour, including the people that they don't want to associate with. So here, Jesus had to go through Samaria. He wasn't going to detour, and we'll find out why. But he goes straight through, and he ends up at Jacob's well for rest. And his disciples go down 
to the town to buy food. And I just thought about this and go, oh yeah, they went to the town. But they're probably very nervous about going to a town where they'd ended up. They were in Samaria. They didn't want to be here, there. And they had to go to town to buy some food. And they leave Jesus resting at noon. And out comes a Samaritan woman to draw water. Now, this is a bit strange as well. As normally, they would have gone in a group of women. And they would have normally come out earlier in the day before it got really hot. And also so that they could do the morning chores. So she may be an outcast who needed to wait for the others to go first because the other women wouldn't want to uh, do it with her. Or she was the one that had to go back to get the next load of water after all the water had been used. But whatever the reason, it was not normal for her to be there in the heat of the day. And it wasn't desirable for her to be there at that time. And verse 7 tells us that Jesus asked her for a drink. It was hot. He was tired. That made sense. But in those days, Jewish men didn't speak to the women in public, let alone a Samaritan woman. So she was in shock and verse 9 tells us, and she asked him why he asked for a drink. And verse 10 shows us that Jesus was using the physical to connect to the spiritual. Like he did last, last chapter or last week with Wes uh, talking about Nicodemus, he goes from the physical to the spiritual. He brings the, in the idea here of living water. If you ask me, I would give you living water, Jesus would say. And like Nicodemus in chapter 3, she is a bit stuck in the physical. You don't have the equipment to get the water. And by the way, she starts thinking aloud, are you greater than the man who dug and gave us this well in the first place, Jacob? You can see her mind racing now. In verse 13, Jesus would say, with physical water, you'll thirst again. But with living water, you will never thirst again. But a well will spring up with eternal life. He helped her transition from the physical to the spiritual. And boy, is she interested. Her life up until now had not been fulfilling. She was emotionally thirsty, yet not satisfied. And we see in verse 17, which we'll come to in a minute, but she tried to satisfy her longings with relationships and intimacy. But she had to learn the pleasures of this life will not quench her thirst. And only Jesus can quench this thirst because he's the son of God who came into this world to save the world. Now, I'm going to be quite frank with us this morning. For, for everyone watching at home, and including myself and the tech guys that are here, what pleasures are we trying to quench our thirst with that just leave us still thirsty? Are you hoping that material possessions will do it? Are you hoping 
Your finances will quench that thirst. You're hoping, like this lady, sex. What about pornography? What about little idols in your lives? Is it work that you try and quench your thirst with? Is it your status? Is it power? And in this day and age, is it even going on holidays and self-pleasures? Are you hoping that all these things will quench your thought, thirst? Well, anything the world has to offer will only ever quench your thirst for a time. You'll always have to come back to a well if you try and quench your thirst this way. Only Jesus can truly quench the thirst that the soul needs. And John, in his first epistle, in chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, and I'll read here, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world, has its desire, the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of, the, of God lives forever. Jesus offers to quench our thirst permanently with eternal life through the forgiveness of sin and eternal life with him. So this lady, who is never named by the way and probably not on anyone's radar, is cared for by Jesus and she has a real desire for, living, for this living water. She knows that life is not going well and desires not to have, have to have, sorry, she desires not to have to draw water again. She clearly doesn't fully understand but she wants what Jesus is offering. Well, Jesus tells her, verse 16, Go get your husband. And she must confess here that she doesn't have a husband. She gives him a flat, bat, defensive, blocking answer. I don't have a husband. Let's leave it at that. But Jesus is about to drop the bombshell she didn't see coming. He knows her better than Google, better than her phone. He knows her history, even though he knew how her life has been. Not only is she a Samaritan, but a woman, an outcast that has been married five times. But Jesus has had the care to talk to even her. When most others wouldn't even notice her walking by, her vulnerability has just surfaced. And now what? She has nowhere to hide. What would Jesus do with this information? Would he ridicule her? Would he gossip with his disciples about her? Would he even blackmail her? No. Despite her failings and immorality, he continues to show grace and mercy and share truth lovingly with her. Her sin was exposed. And we don't see her trying to justify herself, but she feels the freedom of forgiveness and of her sin being exposed but cleansed.
by Jesus. Wow, she was intrigued. This man who she'd never met knows her deeply. Beyond the surface, to him, she's not a nobody. She's a real human. So her conclusion is she must, he, he must be a prophet. Who would know this much about her? So she goes into the discussion, you're a prophet, and, and let's talk about the place of worship then, because you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. Well, the place of worship where the Jews think is Jerusalem. Well, the Samaritans, well, they think Mount Gerizim. And Jesus starts really uh, peeling back the layers now. Hey, it's not the place about the place anymore. The Jews know heaps about this. The Samaritans, not so much, but things are changing. Actually, things are changing now. It's not about the place, but it is about spirit and truth. And while I was preparing the talk in the last couple of days, I just saw a picture of the Trinity here. In these verses, Jesus, the Son, talks about the Father wanting worshippers in spirit and truth. We need to seek the truth about who God is. Not the box that we put him in. We need to see Jesus for who he is and not what we want him to be and try and fit him into our own desires like I touched on last time. The spirit. There is no one place to worship God as all believers have the spirit indwelling them. We need to worship in truth and seek truth. True worshippers will seek truth. And this talked into the Samaritan ways of mixed worship with trying to do a bit of God and a bit of idol worship. Jesus was here to change everything. The place was not important anymore. You can't worship God in any way, especially how the Samaritans were trying really hard to mix it up and do as they pleased. They'd strayed from the truth. But Jesus was calling that they had to worship the one and only true God. And today, God still requires worship in spirit and in truth. Not just outward religious acts, but starting by faith in Jesus as the Son of God, and then to have a real desire to worship in truth, not tradition or routine. God desires our true worship. Well, we know we can worship God at church, but we know Romans 12 tells us that our lives, our whole lives, should be an act of worship in our actions, in our decision-making, in our words, in our desires, in our hearts, what overflows in songs and praise, when we're doing the mundane chores at home, when we're at work, when we're dealing with the family. What are our actions and our words saying to our family? And even in repentance of sin, repenting, to God and seeking forgiveness of those that we sin against. Let us be people who worship God truly. Why? 
because God is the one that deserves our worship. He's the only God. And worship turns our attention, our full attention, to the one true God, the only one worthy of it. So what does the woman say? Let's go back to her. She says, yes, I know the Messiah is coming. We go back to John chapter 1, and they knew the Messiah would come too. And she says, he'll make it clear for us. Now picture this. You're talking to someone that normally wouldn't even see you. You've just had your life laid bare before this person. And now he says, I am the Messiah. I am the change that is coming. That's me. I'm here. Can you imagine her face? Her eyes staring at him. Her mind racing. Yet peace descending on her. I want to stop here and actually go to a table because I think it's really pertinent that we spend a bit of time comparing this lady with Nicodemus. And you see on your screens, and, and I've just put a table out there, we're going to compare the pair. So before I go any further, let's, let's compare the pair of Nicodemus and this lady and their different yet life-changing encounters with Jesus. So Nicodemus, he came to Jesus by night. The Samaritan woman, the conversation with Jesus was in the heat of the sun at midday. Nicodemus initiated the conversation with Jesus. Here, the conversation was initiated by Jesus. Nicodemus had a thorough knowledge of Scripture, whereas this woman was biblically literate. Nicodemus was very moral and religious. This woman, low morals and five failed marriages. Nicodemus was a highly respected man. This lady was an outcast woman. Nicodemus was rich and influential. This lady, poor and powerless. Nicodemus was named. This lady remained nameless. Nicodemus, as Wes pointed out over his journey last, last week in the different aspects of John, was slow to believe and receive. This Samaritan woman was quick to believe and receive. Nicodemus confessed Jesus later, whereas this lady confessed Jesus immediately. These two people could not be any more different, yet Jesus had time for them both. He met them where they were at and transformed them. A true meeting with Jesus, no matter your circumstances, will transform your life. They had two totally different journeys. They could not be more different. Yet they had the same need, the same spiritual need. One needed rebirth, one needed living water. They both needed Jesus. And the same is today. We all have different journeys in life. 
But we all need to come and meet Jesus and let him give us this living water of eternal life. Do you have a Nicodemus in your life that needs to stop being religious and stop being self-righteous and be born again? Or do you have a Samaritan woman who has had her life of struggles and sin and needs to receive living water? We all come in contact really with both, don't we? But every life is important to Jesus. You, your family members, your work colleagues, your friends at school, and even your enemies. Everyone is why Jesus came as God's lamb. Well, let's get back to our text. And we see the disciples come back and they're shocked by the scene before them. But this woman who came to draw water in the hot midday sun, she leaves the water jars by the well and runs back to the village in verse 28. Her spiritual jars were full. She wasn't thinking about the physical anymore. She was all about the spiritual. And we'll just touch briefly because of time. We'll touch briefly on the disciples now in that portion between verses 31 to 38. And the disciples came back from town. And in their minds, they're like, Jesus, what are you doing? Are you crazy? You, if you didn't realize, are talking to a woman. Actually, you're talking to a Samaritan woman. And while she's run off, they want Jesus to eat something. Like the woman leaving her water behind, Jesus is not hungry at all because he's feeding on doing the will of God. Like the others already think, are thinking, what? Did someone else feed him? But they'd missed the life-transforming spiritual conversation just taken place. And they were probably thinking, wow, how fast can we get out of Samaria? This place gives us the creeps. Little did they know, they were about to stay two more days and see some amazing, unexpected life transformation. And they were going to have front row seats to it. And here again, Jesus takes them from the physical to the spiritual and the need for transformed lives of rebirth. Look around. Here they were instructed by Jesus in verse 35, the harvest is ripe. This is going to be a wow moment for the disciples who are going to see something they would never think would happen in Samaria. Of all places, they were about to receive the Messiah. Time to bring people into eternal life through belief in Jesus. And whether you plant or harvest, there is joy for both of the the workers. It doesn't matter your role. What matters is the person's life being transformed from death to life. We talk about culture and inclusivity today. Well, Jesus was a man well ahead of our day because he was already breaking walls, put up between cultures and all the stigma of who was worthy and who wasn't. All human life is worthy to hear the good news of Jesus and the disciples were about to have their minds blown and their understanding turned 
upside down? What barriers do we need to break down to bring all people to Jesus? Are you called to plant? Are you called to harvest? Whatever your role, we all should have great joy when someone comes to faith in Jesus. Anyway, quickly, we're nearly there. Back to the Samaritan woman. What is she saying to everyone? Verse 29 and 39, she says, Come and see a man who told me everything I had done. Well, everything she'd done, she'd had five failed marriages. And she was living in a de facto relationship when back in the day, and even now, people still have a bit of shame of that, but back in the day, that was real, really shameful. But Jesus had given this woman a new identity. She's not worried about the physical thirst anymore. She's telling everyone the deeper truth. The Messiah, is this him? Come and see. She invites people to come and see Jesus. It takes us back to Andrew and Philip with their friends. Come and see Jesus. Except she's saying this to the whole village, most of whom wouldn't even want to associate with her. To the people's credit, they come and come and see this Messiah that the lady's talking about. So we see that this lady had new worth because her life was transformed by Jesus. We see the village had come out and believed in Jesus, begging him to stay. They hung off his every word and many more believed. In chapter 1, we see Andrew bring Peter, whom Jesus would use as a real leader of the early church and bring many to Christ in Acts chapter 2. Here, a Samaritan woman brought a village to Christ. What was the realisation after spending time with Jesus? Well, in verse 42, they say, We no longer believe because of what you have said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. And like Nathaniel, they went and saw Jesus for themselves and could only come away with one conclusion. He's the saviour of the world. And this whole episode takes me back to First John, uh, John chapter 1, verses 11 to 13, where it says, He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of husband's will, but born of God. And we see in these chapters and future chapters of the Jews and Pharisees rejecting him like when he came, as I said last time, into the temple. Instead of worshipping him, they wanted him out. And it got to the point where his own people wanted to kill him. They wanted their Messiah dead. Who would have thought that Jesus, having to go through Samaria, the hated people of the Jews who had very limited understanding of the truth of God because they mixed up all their many idols into the teachings that they would be the ones to believe. In Acts, in finishing, in Acts we see Philip leaving Jerusalem because of persecution. He ended up in Samaria where despite their mixed practices were still happening and spirits needed to be casting out, there were already some believers because of this woman 
but many more believed. The gospel transformed lives all through Samaria. And it started with Jesus going into an area that pretty much all other Jews wouldn't have gone through. But he knew there would be a woman that he needed to talk to. So are you saying, like this woman initially was, how bad you are, how worthless you are, how nobody cares? Come to Jesus. He cares and wants to transform your life with the living water that he offers. Nothing else offers the same living water. You will never thirst again. What excuses do you keep bringing? What sin do you try and hide from him? Jesus knows you. Come to him. Don't run from him. Why Jesus? He offers living water that springs up for eternal life. He is the Messiah and he is the saviour of the world. And the last slide will show that Jesus meets people where they're at, but never leaves them there. Only Jesus can transform a person from death to life, no matter what their life situation. And for the believers in Jesus, will you worship God with everything you have? Will we live lives that are truly showing true worship to God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this account of this woman that we don't even know her name that could come and Jesus could meet her where she was at. Her life was laid bare, but she was transformed. She tasted the living water and she just joy joyfully went and shared it with her village. And their reaction, that Jesus was the saviour of the world. We just pray that everyone listening today will be able to see Jesus for who he is, the saviour of the world. And as we take communion soon, we just thank you that he gave his life for us, shed his blood, gave his body. He was your lamb to take away the sin of the world. We thank you that we can come here this morning, open your world, uh, word, we just pray we'll go into the, our world and share the good news of Jesus and be true worshippers, whatever our situation in life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.